Thanks for listening to the New Life Church Cersei podcast. Before we get into today's message, we want to remind you that if you'd like to get connected to what God is doing here in our local community, you can text the word Cersei to 88000 for more information. There you can let us know how we can be praying for you this week, get plugged into a life group, you can give online, sign up for a serve team, and so much more. Finally, you can find today's message notes in the Bible app. Just tap the link in the podcast episode notes to follow along with us. Now let's get ready to hear a great message today. All right, so good to see everybody this morning. Thank you for being here. Welcome to church this weekend. Um, I'll change some light bulbs here in just a minute. Um, You know, it was funny as I was prepping this weekend, I got to thinking, when I first started preaching, the font size I used on my computer was 10, okay? I'm at 14 this morning. Uh, it's, it's And glasses, yeah, so it's kick, kicking in. Um, if you are just joining us, we've been in a series called Connect, and Connect for us is normally a class. It's like a new members class where you come to discover more about our church and try to figure out if this is really the best fit for your, for your life. Uh, we decided because of the past 18 months that we've had, that this would probably be a great time to turn it into a series and basically put our whole church through Connect. And so that's what we've done. Uh, two weeks ago, we started this, and I had our staff join me on stage in a panel-style format, and we told our story, how we became a New Life Church, what we were doing before that, why we made that, that move, and kind of uh, what our mission and purpose is moving forward. Last week, I talked about core values. I talked about how much I love that we're an interdenominational church and uh, uh, the essentials and non-essentials that we constantly are uh, interlaced with as an interdenominational church. Um, You know, surprisingly so, and I left this out last week. I didn't intentionally do that, but uh, preachers on, on Sunday afternoons, they go through the whole day in their head. And I got to that one spot, and I was like, man, I wish I'd said that. Um, There are also times I say, man, I wish I hadn't said that. Um, But uh, last week I was thinking, you know, in our our community, I I mentioned to you that we have over 60 churches in in our area. And what I mean like is 12 minutes from this campus, there are 60 churches, six zero um, and you would think because of our university that those might be a lot of them Church of Christ. But I'm telling you what, there's some Baptist folks up in this place around here. Lots of Baptist churches. And so I realized that um, between um, all, of, all of the denominations, uh, Southern Baptist, Missionary Baptist is really um, the more dominant uh, mainstream denomination in our area. And I know that they're 60 because we pray for a church every weekend here. And as I was putting those together in January, I got to 52 weeks and we still had a handful left over that we didn't have on the calendar. Uh, So we'll pray for those next year. But uh, uh, we've got um, a lot of churches in our area and we're, we're just one of them and we need every single church in our area. The takeaway from today, and I normally call this Find Your Place Weekend. This is the weekend where you've kind of heard what we, we believe and why we believe it and our kind of our mission and feel and our story. And then there's this challenge of going, now, do you belong in that? 
do you want to be involved? Do you want to help us do church together? And uh, I could sermonize this in such, such a way that it's a lot of information, but what I've chosen to do today is personalize it a little bit more um, for our particular grid, meaning that I couldn't take this message and preach it at another campus because it's so personal to my campus. But when you consider how our churches work, I'm going to give you a little bit of insight, and I would tell this in our class, this is not secret, but New Life Church, we only budget a 20% of our resources for staff. That's half of what I'm going to say most churches do. About 40% of church resource um, is for staff. And we keep that so trim and thin, and that's because we have a servant model. We have a a model that says we're going to help and support however this church belongs to all of us. And so we all do our part to make it all work. Can we hire more people? Yeah, if resources there, if we change models, if we stop planting so many churches, yeah, we could hire more staff locally. If we stop supporting missionaries, yeah, we could. If we stopped Dream Centers and City Serves and all of those things that allowed us, as I told you last year, to put out a million dollars of product in White County, could we take on more staff? Yeah, we could. But today is really about a mantra that is this. Find something you love and do it for the glory of God. Find the giftedness in you that's beyond marketplace and do it for the glory of God. I mean, there are some of you that are fantastic organizers, organize in the house of God. Some of you are fantastic musicians and you are hiding. You sing so amazing in the shower, but you will not bring it to this stage. Shame. Some of you cannot sing, and we thank you for not doing so. We're appreciative. Some of you have a gift of giving. Some of you have a gift of teaching children. Some of you have a gift of hospitality. Some of you are innovators, and we need your innovation. You are what makes a church a creative church. And the past 18 months has been so different I've been very candid with you along this whole journey. And so I'm going to give you a statistic that should upset all of us. Over the past 18 months, we have lost 60% of our volunteers. Of when we hit 2020, we were poised for the best year we've ever had. More resources, more attendance, more momentum, more people saying, tell me how to get involved, tell me how to serve, and then you know what happened in March, I don't even want to say its name. But because of that, in the 18 months plus that have now followed, 60% of those people that helped us pull off a weekend, 6 out of 10 people said, I can't do it any, any, any longer. And that's where we are this morning. Now, many have asked, Kevin, when are we going to go back to two services? It's going to be really soon. 
but we need people to pull it off. It takes us about 60 people to pull off a service well, the way that we want to do it, okay? Now, I will tell you, it's hard. I, there there is, is a church right now. I can give you their name, but I'm not. But there's a church I'm very close to. It's not in our, our town. But they are having to now pay an outside source to take care of all their hospitality. So they said, we, we, don't, we don't have our people to serve anymore, so we now have to pay people to work coffee and reset and park cars and work nursery and, and, and work our doors and do all of these things, and we have to pay them 20 bucks an hour to do it to pull off a service. And let me tell you all something. I'm not paying. I'm just not going to you're going to come back. Is what, no. <laughs> this is where we are. So when we think about finding our place, when we think about, yes, if, if you can check the box that says, this is my church, it's mine, I'm going to move from consumer to contributor, then your next question is, where is that going to be? John Maxwell is notoriously known for when he was in Skyline, he had a, a lady raise her hand and said, as a member, what, what do I get by being a member? And he said, you get to give up your visitor parking. You get to park way in the back with everybody else and walk across the parking lot and come inside. There's something to that. There's something about going, this is ours. And so I just want you to know, if you're new to us or it's been a long time, our model for doing ministry is not to make a hire. And for some churches, that's their answer for everything. I'm not saying it's wrong, but I'm saying it's not our model. So our model is to discover what you've got to give to the house of the Lord and challenge you to bring it out. To discover what it is that you've got, that your experience has brought you, that your education has brought you, and that the sovereign God has put on your life as a gift Meaning, you can't even brag about it because you didn't put it together. It was given to you. It's a gift. But how do we get you to use that gift in the house of God? So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take us really quick to the book of Hebrews and talk about this for just a moment. And then I'm, I'm going to take us to um, a place where you can actually choose to serve or be involved in a life group today before you leave. Most scholars believe that Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. Now, the truth is we don't know. It's a comparison. It's a writing comparison. So they're looking at his writing. They're looking at, at the language. They're looking at, at the rhythm and cadence and exegesis and all these other words that we know, don't normally use in a daily basis and they're going, that looks like Paul, smells like Paul, walks like Paul. I think it's Paul. And so what we do know is that whoever wrote it, wrote it to his friends. And he's challenging them. And if we look at who his friends were for most of this book, he's, he's addressing a people that appear to be tired. So he's playing the role of... Uh, inspirational speaker. He's motivating them. He's encouraging them. He's telling them, hey, let me remind you 
about why you're doing this and so on. And I think it's relevant, not, not just for our church, but every church, capital C, who has had this enormous shift in its church's culture over the past couple of years. People are tired. I'm to, I think there's some common ground here, and I'm just going to throw out four or five examples, but there may be a lot of you here this morning, and you're tired of hearing people squabble. Like, it's exhausting to you. Actually took a huge break from Facebook this, this year. Haven't even been on it, I don't know, a couple of months now. Um, I'm tired of the squabble. Like, I'm exhausted by it. Can't do it. I'm, I'm a fixer by nature. I, I want to I wanna put my hands on it and work it out and fix it. And when I can't fix it, I get exhausted by it. I'm tired of squabbling. Maybe you're tired of a constant series of hardship. Like just about the time you think you got this calmed down, something else is going. It's, it's, it's like a fireman. I mean, you're going just one fire to the next to the next. And these have not been little fires. These have been fires that have defined our culture, changed the way we think, changed the way we feel about certain things, challenged your theology. And you're tired of just one thing burning down after the other. Maybe you're tired of overreacting to things yourself. You feel like because of what's gone on, because of what is transpiring, I look at my own life and I can't even find my true self anymore. It's like I'm just completely overreacting. Maybe you're tired of a society that seems to be rejecting God. I've talked to you candidly about this as a, as a pastor. It's changed. Things you used to get an amen for are now an oh me. Um, rejecting of God, it, the, it's almost like what anything that you preach is now offensive. Anything that you say even in the name of Jesus or under Scripture's umbrella. And we have to be very careful, even more so, to be less opinionated, so less on the soapbox and more in Scripture. It doesn't bother me. I'm saying people are looking for a way to reject truth. Maybe you're tired of wondering what kind of world your kid is going to grow up in. Maybe as a parent, you're like, man, we should have had two instead of six. She says, what were you thinking? You're worried. What's life going to be like for them? Financially, politically, what's the world's scheme going to look like? Maybe you're just tired of something that I haven't named. Something that's heavy, something that's got a cycle in your life and just about the time you think it's over it comes back and you're tired of it okay here's what Paul does in Hebrews he reminds his tired friends of something and you all know this verse but I'm going to use it in the application of life group serve group Hebrews chapter 12 1 through 3 he says since we everybody say we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses let us, here's his application, throw off everything 
that hinders. Man, I could park right there for a little while. For some, that means you got to throw off a way of thinking. It means you need to throw off some emotional response. It means you got to throw off an, an, an attitude, a perspective. For some of you, you need to throw off hopelessness and get your joy back. You need to throw off this aimlessly wandering double-mindedness and come back to some solid trajectory in your life. Throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, the perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So that you will not be tired. Throw off everything that hinders Stop thinking about it. Hold every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus. Stop letting it get into the soil of your soul. Stop allowing those things to make you just wander wherever and chase whatever doctrine. Stop listening to those things that are saying, give up, it's not worth it, don't, don't do it. So that you will not be tired and lose heart. You know what lose heart is? It's, it's throwing your hand. It's giving up. It's not worth it. The energy isn't worth it. The thought time isn't worth it. The time, the time is, is, isn't worth it. The mental energy and real estate I've got to put into that isn't worth it. And you lose heart. We can lose heart in anything, but I'm, I'm specifically today talking about his church that you can look at the church, capital C, and lose heart. And go, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know why we would, we would go to church. Why would we engage church? Why is church so important? What's, what, what is there now that we can't just find somewhere else? And I, I'm going to address that in just a, a moment because he reminded his friends, you are not alone not only are you not alone in how you are battling this stuff out, but you are not alone in having support. There is a cloud of witnesses. A group of people. Life with God is not a solo endeavor. I don't, how, how many of you are terrible by yourself? Like you, you're, you're not good by yourself. Okay. Is about 10 of you and about 50 of you are liars. <laughs> like, you are not good by yourself. If you get left alone for longer than a day by yourself, you are buying boxes of Twinkies and Kleenex and watching Lifetime movies. Even God intervened on Adam and said, you cannot be by yourself. I've watched you now for a little bit. You are showing some behaviors that to me are odd. I know I looked at you and I said, this is good, but now it's not so good. I got to give you some, some people. 
We have a cloud of witnesses. The cloud of witnesses cheers for you, encourages you, props you up, prays for you, has your back, surrounds you. We all need God's people, and this is why the church is still relevant. This is why life groups are important, because godly people need godly people. Chances are your best friends in this place, chances are, I'm not saying it's 100% accurate, chances are your best friends think a lot like you do, enjoy the same things that you do, enjoy the same foods you do, the same shows you do, probably voted the same way that you voted. Why? Because we naturally are inclined to get around people that that meet needs for us, that we enjoy. And they bring us joy because there is similarity. When it comes to following Jesus, why not do that with other people? You do the things that you love the most with your friends. Why not be on the journey with Jesus with those same friends? Why not grow in him? Why not go to the next level of being more like Christ with someone you're already in relationship with? This is what a life group does. This is what a serve group does. I tell people when when they come to me, they say, Kevin, listen, I've been here three weeks. I'm not connecting, really. I love the church. I love, maybe they might say something, I love what what I feel or, I love the worship team, and I'm like, that'll change. Just get to know David a little bit better. That'll all all go away. They might list something out, and then I will say to them, are you you thinking about serving somewhere? Because that's how you get get to know people. You're you're with them. You're you're on on a mission. You're walking steps out together with them on a Sunday. You're, You're being forced to have conversation over a common goal, and because of the nature of serving, you're interacting with our families. You're getting to know our church because you are helping somewhere. My next question is, are you in a life group? Have you reached out? Have you, do you have a, a pocket of friends we can connect you with? Almost 10 times out of 10, the answer is no, I haven't. Why? Because godly people need godly people. So when you say, I'm not really feeling connected, there's a a high probability that the chance that you're feeling that particular way is because you're not serving the church. And you may have gone from being a wonderful contributor two years ago to now you've shifted back to being a consumer. When you were at the core of our church, now you've trickled back to being part of the congregation. Nothing wrong with that. Congregation is part of the step. But we try to go, this is a typical preacher phrase, we want to go from the door to the core. We want to get people from walking in to being connected People will leave a church over this word. There can be great preaching, 
good facility, good programming, solid staff, healthy environment. But if they don't do this, they'll continue to look. This is why life groups, serve groups are so important. This is why it's imperative that we find our place. We have got to be around good people. Let me give you an example of how this plays out in a daily basis. A few years ago now, almost, I guess, five now, maybe, maybe more, I had surgery on my, my, my neck. I don't know what happened. I, I think we told my, my doctor I, I sneezed one morning, and then suddenly I couldn't look left. I, I mean, that was a hard sneeze. I get it. But something happened. And it got worse, and it got worse, and it got worse. So I started seeking specialists out, and it, it got worse. So I found myself in a surgeon's office, and I had been immobile at that point for about a month. I mean, I, I get up and around, but pain, I had not been to work. And I didn't know actually everything that happened, but somewhere, but C5, C6, there was a rupture. And the answer was surgery. And I'm not a surgeon, I'm a pastor. This means I have to trust someone in my life who knows more about spinal surgery than I do. So I go to this contact that I had made, and I went with this surgeon for a few reasons. He attends our GLR campus. He got to know us. He's a brother in Christ. He became someone who was more than a brilliant mind in a white coat. When I asked him if he had done this surgery before, he said, no, but I did watch a YouTube video, which made me feel really good about the procedure. But he was poised to be life-giving for me and to get me back to a life that I wanted and was used to. As a brother in Christ, I trusted his voice. And we all need and deserve some voices in our lives that are on the next level from us that we can be mentored, that we can grow in Christ, that we can have some normalcy, that some people can go, you are not by yourself. If you think you're the only person in the world who's ever had that thought, you are sorely mistaken. That's what godly people do for godly people. This is why it's so important. And you can't have a big church without simultaneously becoming a small church. As a church gets bigger, it has to get smaller or big church just falls apart. So here's a good question. Who is your cloud of witnesses? Who is your voice of reason? Who is your encouragement? And who can you lean against? And who can prop you up? And who can cheer for you? And who can hold your hands up? Who is that group for you? And if you're here today and you say, no one, then we have some work to do. Let me give you a simple illustration here. Anybody here scared of heights? Just, just be honest. I'm not, I'm not going to embarrass you. Thank you, Greg. I can't stand them. I got into, when I was a kid, I, the first time I realized I was scared of heights, I went up into the arch in St. Louis, and I was like, I, I think I'm going to throw up. And people all leaned out. Oh, look out there. Look out there. You can see the shadow move. My knees. I was, yeah. 
I can't do it. We went to Chicago. We were talking about going up, and you know that they have that thing now that you you do, and it leans you out. Have, have you seen that? Uh uh-uh. uh. They would be cleaning the glass when I'm done. I'm serious. Lean you out over the building. No, thank you. I don't like heights. Here's what happens for me. I'm really good here. I'm okay. I'm, I'm okay here. As far as I'm going. Okay? But let me tell you what comes next. Anybody want, want to guess what comes next? This is when I normally go, Robbie, hold the ladder. And I will get someone to come and stand at the base. Does it help? I don't know. It may be a psychological placebo. I don't know. But I know how it makes me feel. Confident. Somebody has me. If I fall, they're going to catch me. So when someone comes to the base, I can go on up. I can sit right here. I know what you want me to do is you want me to call somebody up right now and see me do it. Because you're sick like like that. But I'm not going to do it. Here's the point. The higher we go the more help we need with confidence with does someone have is someone back there is someone down there is someone here to help me the the further we we go the more help that we we need you take companies that are now fortune 500 companies that started in somebody's garage do you think that they still have the same staff they did in their garage no Somebody somewhere at some point said, you know, hey guys, listen, we need some help. Like it's, I don't know about the other five that are here, but I'm, I'm, I'm cooked. I'm, I'm overdone. Like I'm putting in 14 and 15 hour days and could work more. We, We need, we need some help. This same principle applies to the kingdom. It applies to you. When you're following Jesus, the further you want to go, the better you want to get, the more that you need help. And this is not a pastoral philosophy of going, Kevin, I know you're just trying to get us to be, you know, less independent and more dependent on this or or this is about making the organization stronger, right? No, life groups do not grow the organization. They grow you. Now, you being stronger makes for a strong church. Why? Because you are the church. This address is not our church. We could, we could sell this building, move somewhere else, and as long as you came, we'd have a church. You are our church. So it doesn't, 
organizationally make us stronger, but it makes you stronger, which makes the church stronger, and that gives us more vision to do more for the kingdom. Because ultimately, this is not about a metric. It's not, how many people can we cram in here on a Sunday morning? Woo, that was a successful Sunday. No, the mission has to be, what are we doing to be the hands and feet of Jesus on a daily basis. If it's anything more than that, we have sold out and become something else. The sign might still have church on it, but we become something else unless that is the mission. So Hebrews 10, I'm out of time again. I have four pages left. I won't do them. Nobody freak out. But I'm going to wrap up with this. Okay, Hebrews 10, verse 24 says, And let us consider, this word consider means ponder, think, reflect on, how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Life groups, serve groups for us are the how behind the what. And I'm going to be honest. This is just where, where, where we are. Our programming is worth this much if you aren't with us. Life groups can be the answer for us, but if you aren't, aren't in them, they're worth this much. They can look great on paper. Man, we, we can market the mess out of something. I could spend $4,500 on a mailer that goes to this entire community, get road signs. I can, I, we can do a commercial. I can do a social media blast. I can buy a billboard. I can do all kinds of things, get rave cards, put them out everywhere, give them to you, send you an email, send you a text. I, we, we can have the best of graphics and design work do them. We can throw all kinds of money at it, but if people aren't buying into the vision of why it's important for the local church, this is how much that's worth. Nothing. But when we go, man, it's important to serve a kid. It's important that when we think about someone who has not been to church in 15 years, pulls up in the parking lot, what do we want their experience to be? Because the last time they came to church, they may have left so hurt, and now they're back thinking, what is this going to be like? Isn't that worth opening the door for somebody and saying, good morning, welcome to our church? Isn't that worth, guys, some of us being in the parking lot wearing an orange vest and 100 degrees to be the first face somebody sees? Good morning. Welcome to our church. George Barna was so well known for this, but he used to teach this everywhere that he went, that people in the first seven minutes made a decision if they were coming back to church. Before a song was sung, before a pastor preached, before anything that happened that's happening now happened, 
people made a decision the first seven minutes. Why? Because every environment says something. Our parking lot says something. Our check-in says something. Having coffee says something. Our building says something. Having a welcome center says something. And when there's no people there, we say something. Because saying nothing is saying something. So we, we got to find what it is that we do and love and feel called to and then do it. Kevin, are you trying to add something to our plate? No, I'm trying to free you up to bring joy to your life. Because what a lot of people do when there's chaos, when the culture rises up, when something happens that is stress for them, the first fat to get trimmed happens here. Don't know why. But people feel like suddenly it can go from priority into something that I'll get back to one of these days. And it kills the ability to reach people. Why? Because it takes you from moving forward and puts you back into the days of being in a garage trying to figure it all out again. Churches, this year and I told you this, but more churches in the past two years have closed than opened or were planted for the first time in American history. Churches are paying third parties. People who don't even come to their church are serving their children because they can't find help. We got to rethink that, y'all. We got to rethink that. I hope that we can do that better. I hope we can be better than that. We can only go as high as we have people below us to help and support. Okay? Stay with me, if you will. I'm going to pray over this. I'm going to pray over, over going forward. I'm going to pray over our serve teams and life group leaders. Father, I love you today. I thank you for the church, capital C. I thank you for this opportunity to talk about this. And I pray today that you challenge us. I pray, God, that you remind us the importance of needing help and togetherness and unity. And God, in spite of a pandemic, God, we are going to open up life groups and serve groups and be the church to the best of our ability, to have solid programming, to reach the unchurched, the de-churched, to be a church that unchurched people want to go to. So God, I pray over every leader. I pray over every person that, is, that oversees a department. I pray over every volunteer, every person who has ever poured coffee, parked a car, taught a kid. God, uh, played an, an, an instrument, reset our church, cleaned something, watered a flower, whatever it is, God. I thank you for them. I pray for every life group that is going to be taken off in the next couple of weeks. God, give us sovereignty as we travel through this together. Let us discover more about Jesus Christ to be a stronger church. We thank you for it, and we believe in you. We believe in the local church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, I sure love you. Thank you so much for being here this morning. You guys look amazing. Have a great week. We love you. Bye-bye.